Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. We are going to be talking all hour in many respects about rejection. I really do think rejection gets in the way of happiness, and I think it is the challenge of our culture today. Whether it has to do with the transgender identity, the crisis that people face, a fear or experience of abandonment, uh, this idea that God didn't answer my prayers and therefore I feel rejected, this idea that you never felt like you fit in. Uh, Many of these things that I think are relevant to a culture of rejection, a culture of trauma, as some people will call it. So we'll be talking about everything from how rejection gets in the way of our happiness, tying it into the transgender crisis of our culture, and with all the news from drop from Target literally dropping a baby and kids-themed queer line just ahead of Pride Month. It's just astounding some of the things we're seeing with marketing today and the transgender plug. But also, it's the feast day of St. Rita, and I've grown to really appreciate her over the last about five years after I heard a really neat story about a convent of sisters in Italy and the devotion to St. Rita in the monastery. And it's really fascinating If you've not heard it before, I'll be sharing it with you. It has to do with tons of women who are grateful for the intercession of St. Rita and changing their lives, helping them to find a spouse and get married, helping them through difficult marriages. The devotion Italy has become uh, to take your wedding dress to the convent, of course, after you've been married, and donate your wedding dress to the convent of St. Rita where the sisters are there. And we're going to share with you something really neat that's been happening surrounding the marriage culture in Italy. So stay with me today on Trending. Happy Feast Day of St. Rita. And if you're looking for a spouse, if you are hoping to have a baby or you're struggling in your marriage, St. Rita is an excellent saint to turn to for her intercession before the throne of God. So stay with me. I'll talk about that and much more later on today during our weekly happy hour. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I was thinking over the weekend... I'm really not a fan of sci-fi stories that include time travel or really any television or movie that includes time travel. But for some reason, and this must be the reading bug in me, I just kept thinking about time travel. And I kept thinking, I really do hope, or not hope, I really do want to time travel, but for one purpose. Not that I want this to become a thing because it would I don't, one, I don't think we'd ever be able to time travel, but it would be really neat to time travel exclusively for the sake of being able to go on vacations at different locations during different eras. So, like, I would love to go to the French Riviera in 1920. It would be really, really neat to go to, for example, Egypt prior to World War I when England when the English had their influence there. I think that would be really fun. So I would love to hear from you. What would be one reason that you would like to time travel? My husband's was really interesting. I'll share that with you a little bit. And no, wait, I'm not a Doctor Who fan and I do not like (laughs) time traveling machines. You know, my family, my parents and my siblings were huge Doctor Who fans. I just couldn't get into it. I'm really not a big fan of sci-fi. It 
it's a very rare occasion where I do enjoy it. Even a lot of the Marvel and DC comic stuff I don't enjoy. And once it gets into some of the space-esque type of sci-fi elements. Oh, Dr. Brown from Back to the Future. I don't even know if I've seen Back to the Future yet. I know, I'm so unschooled and show sometimes. You're listening to Trending with Jimmery. It's our weekly happy hour. Okay, so let's talk about rejection as I'm rejected and canceled for the things that I don't like from sci-fi movies, time travel. But I would love to hear from you. If you could tell me why you would actually be interested in time traveling, my husband's reaction to his desire to time travel was way better than my own. Let's talk about rejection, though, today during our weekly happy hour. I think all of us, in some respect, have experienced some form of rejection, whether it's been a form of self-rejection of some part or the whole of ourselves, or rejection from others toward us, or where we reject others ourselves. It happens. It's very normal, I think, in our fallen human nature to to reject ourselves and to reject another person. But at the end of the day, I found that rejection tends to be one of those primary wounds that we tend to carry with us into adult life, into uh, maybe future relationships, and throughout our lives based on different areas, maybe you find that you have been rejected. It can lead to ultimately what is the very natural human response, and that is our fight or flight response, but also the just shut down response, like a chameleon there that doesn't move, hoping you don't notice it. It's really interesting because I think these wounds really lead a person to behave in a childlike way when they experience rejection to turn into this I'm traumatized mindset. (laughs) I think millennials and the generations below millennials tend to have this reaction that they're traumatized about this or traumatized about that. I remember when I was dating a guy in college and he kept making fun of his sister who was at the time, I think about in her late 20s, early 30s. And she was always saying she was traumatized about something. And he just found it the funniest thing that she was always complaining that she was traumatized about the next thing and would make fun of her. And I'm not saying that we should make fun of people when they say they're traumatized, but I do kind of look back on that reaction. And since then, we've lived through this trigger happy culture where we're We have to mention trigger warnings, we have snowflakes, and we can't talk about things because we're afraid we'll hurt someone's feelings or be accused of racism or whatever that might be today. This traumatized culture is very poignant within the millennial culture down. Uh, We've found a culture where I think all of us, I'm not just talking about millennials down, I think everyone has a sense of rejection that we've faced and you can become a victim because of it. You might tend to vent too often because of it, or you might tend to dwell and be preoccupied by this issue that led you to be traumatized because you were rejected in some form of an, or another, or you've grown to reject yourself. Well, let's take some theology and a Christ-centered perspective on this. I was recently, a few months ago, at a retreat and was talking about trauma and victimization and venting and dwelling, and I was really struck by the reflection that occurred during that retreat, that Jesus Christ was not traumatized by the traumatic event of his passion and death and the rejection of all of his friends. Think about it. I don't think there's a single person on earth who has been more rejected than Jesus Christ himself or abandoned. 
And often people who've experienced abandonment tend to lead to a sense of self-rejection because they reject what they tend to believe or blame for having been abandoned. Jesus Christ himself would have been rejected by his extended family, cousins, etc., who were part of the Jewish culture. He was rejected by his own community. Remember, people would mock when he'd come back to Galilee and people would say, isn't that you know, Joseph's son, the carpenter's son? He was rejected by his own religious community, the Jews, and put to death. He was even rejected and abandoned by his closest friends, the apostles. You might even recall further back, not just at the moment of the passion and death of our Lord on the cross, that Jesus himself was actually rejected by a vast majority of his disciples. You know the story near the Sermon on the Mount, also the Bread of Life discourse. During the Bread of Life discourse, when Jesus Christ, long before his passion, long before the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper, talks about how we are called to eat his body and drink his blood if we want to have life with him, if we want to have eternal life. And at that time, many people left him. We read in sacred scripture in John chapter 6 that many people murmured. They left. They walked away. They could not handle this. Because if you read the literal translation of what Jesus was saying, he was saying literally to gnaw on his flesh and to drink, to consume his blood. There was no confusion about what he was saying. He was being very direct. And many people left him at that time. He even turned to the apostles and said, will you go too? And that's when St. Peter has this incredible response. Where else will, will we go? You have the words of everlasting life. We have believed and come to know this, uh, that he is the son of God. This is a very powerful moment that even when he says something difficult, the apostles say, we'll stay with you. Where else will we go? Yet St. Peter himself actually does not follow him all the way to Golgotha. He does not follow Jesus all the way to the cross. He abandons him in that moment, even though we could argue St. Peter knows better. So all of this said, Jesus Christ is truly the most rejected and abandoned human being who's also God on all of planet earth. He experienced the most traumatic event imaginable, but he doesn't behave as if he, he was traumatized. And I think this is really interesting. I'm reading a really beautiful Uh, reflection, a kind of historical fiction on the life of St. Genevieve. Uh, Campbell is the last name of the author. I'm forgetting the name. We'll post the link on social media in the episode notes. I'm reading it to my daughter before her naps and bedtime. We sit on the rocking chair outside and I'll read it to her. And there's this treatise where St. Genevieve is talking to Princess Clotilde and she's talking to Princess Clotilde uh, before she starts, is about to marry the Frankish king who's now taken over there in France. And Clotilde is afraid. You know, she's a Catholic and and uh, the king is young and he's bar- he's a barbarian and he's not Catholic and she's terrified to marry him. And St. Genevieve is talking to her in the book about how we don't always get to choose our crosses or our blessings. In fact, we never get to choose our crosses or our, blessing- or our blessings. I equate that to we don't get to choose our joys or our sufferings. They come to us. A lot of life really does just happen to us. We can't control always what happens to us, but we can control how we respond. Yeah, I think we tend to live in a culture that we think we can control what happens to us, that other people, for some reason, we think should always be able to control what happens to us, and therefore we allow ourselves to be in this traumatized state, to turn into the victim, a venting individual, an individual who dwells on the trauma we've experienced. 
But that's not what Jesus Christ did. And I think combining this mindset of the fact that Jesus Christ was evidently not traumatized by the rejection, his death, and the abandonment of all of his community, even his family, some of his family members, realistically, probably many of his family members, uh, including his closest friends, abandoned him at the cross. He did not act traumatized. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. All we can do in life is have control with regard to how we respond to the joys and sufferings we experience. We don't choose our crosses and our blessings. We have the opportunity to either, when we experience something, become the victim or move on and even grow with a virtuous response. For example, someone might say, you know, if we were to talk about traumatic experiences, I never fit in. And so therefore, I'm going to become a lonely, bitter, angry, and resentful person who faced rejection, therefore becoming the victim. Or maybe you felt abandoned. Maybe you experienced real and legitimate abandonment in your life. So you feel abandoned, like something's wrong with you. You're unlovable. You have a sense of self-loathing or self-rejection for what you blame as the reason for your abandonment. Or maybe you think that God didn't give you what you want, and so he doesn't listen to you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't intervene in your life. Therefore, you feel rejected. These are just a few examples of how we experience rejection. Now, we can either stay in a state of being traumatized and indulge ourselves in that rejection from the culture, rejection maybe it might be seemingly in your eyes from God, or rejecting yourself because of something that happened to you. But Jesus himself experienced all of this. Think about it for a moment. Jesus asked God, if it be, let this cup pass for me. In other words, if it can be, please take away this suffering and this passion, this cross, and the scourging that I'm about to experience. God the Father didn't. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. He experienced abandonment from those closest to him. He even had many times where he did not fit in. People murmured against him, walked away. People literally wanted to stone him from his own religious community. So Jesus experienced all of this, but he never acted traumatized. He never became the victim. He never called himself the victim. He didn't vent. He didn't dwell on it. And I think that's very significant. He didn't isolate himself because of the experience he had. He didn't accuse others. Think about it. In his resurrection, he doesn't show up as a re- when he resurrects and he doesn't say, hey, you abandoned me at the cross. You weren't there. Yet you knew I was the son of God. You said all of these things. You followed me all these years. You knew better. I was preparing you for this. You didn't show up. Jesus never says that. He doesn't accuse him. Remember, The devil is the accuser, not Jesus Christ. Even though, in a certain sense, justifiably so, Jesus could just state the facts and say, this is what you did. He doesn't dwell in sacred scripture from what we read of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't isolate himself. He doesn't hate others because of it. Jesus Christ, in the face of everything he experienced, a traumatic event, is not traumatized. He has self-possession, confidence, forgiveness. Even though we don't read where he's looking around at everyone saying, hey, I forgive you for abandoning me. I forgive you for running away. I forgive you for giving me up. No, through his actions, he shows mercy and forgiveness. He's generous in the resurrection. He's loving. 
He engages in community, not isolation, after the traumatic event he experienced. All of these show that Jesus Christ wasn't traumatized in the suffering that he experienced on the cross. In his passion, in the rejection of, again, family, community, religious community, and closest friends. I found that so significant in this culture that we live in, where rejection is getting in the way of happiness, and it doesn't have to. Whatever suffering you might be experiencing now, whatever traumatic event you may have experienced in the past, don't let it define you. Don't allow it to form you into a victim. I remember when I was a kid, my mom talked a lot about not allowing yourself to become the victim. Don't have a victim mentality. So ironically, millennials are so well known for this. I think my mom saw something perhaps happening in the culture when I was a very young child, or maybe from her own past and experience of saying, don't let the terrible things that happen to you destroy you, make you become bitter, make you act rejected, and so therefore reject everyone else or reject yourself. And it wasn't just Jesus Christ who experienced a traumatic event. So did Our Lady, the mother of Jesus himself. She saw her son rejected and abandoned, but she had mercy because just imagine this. The apostles would have had to return to the Blessed Virgin Mary after the death of their closest friend, their God, and her son, and come back groveling, explaining why they weren't only not there for her at the foot of the cross, but why they weren't there for Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross. And the tradition of the church holds that as the apostles had been gathered with some of the disciples and some of the women who followed Jesus during his public ministry, the tradition holds that they were in the upper room there in Jerusalem with Our Lady. And so they all, one by one, imagine, would have come back apologizing to Our Lady. And in her motherhood, she embraced them. She showed profound mercy. She didn't dwell She didn't become the victim, justifiably so she could have been, but she didn't. Our Lady and Jesus Christ show us that even when we face rejection, it does not have to deter us from doing good. It does not have to be something we dwell in. It does not have to become our identity. I think rejection is at the heart of our culture we're experiencing today. It's relevant to the whole transgender crisis I'm going to discuss in a little bit. It's even relevant to the crisis of people who are experiencing the fact that they want to be married and they're not yet. We'll talk about St. Rita, her feast day. She's a great saint to turn to if you want to have a baby, if you want to fix your marriage, if you want to find a spouse, pray for the intercession of St. Rita. All of those things are a certain sense of rejection. God, why aren't you allowing me to find a spouse? Or why aren't, why aren't you fixing my spouse? Or why, why don't I have a baby yet. You know, people sometimes think that that's God's fault and they blame God or they blame others for not having married them yet or they blame the other person in their marriage for a sense of dissatisfaction and they find it as a form of rejection. Rejection truly is at the heart of our culture. Yet Jesus Christ himself and our lady did not ruminate in rejection. And so I think the question today is, how will I respond when I experience rejection? Or will I allow rejection to shape me negatively? Will I live as a wounded, traumatized victim dwelling on the past? Or will I carry on and grow, grow in virtue, move on with confidence, not dwelling on the experience? 
Again, I was reading, I mentioned earlier, that reaction from St. Genevieve and the historical fiction of St. Genevieve's life. Again, I'll post the link in the episode notes. I've been reading it to my daughter. And as she's talking to St. Clotilde, who's about to marry the newer Frankish king there in France, Genevieve is saying, we don't choose our blessings or our crosses. And we shouldn't even say, this is my cross or this is my blessing. Because we can't control it. It's like rain falling upon us. So how will we respond? How will we choose to move on in virtue or become the victim? I really do believe that rejection is getting in the way of our happiness. And if we don't overcome this crisis of rejection in the culture that in many respects stems back to experiences within families at very young ages, we're going to walk around living as a culture of victims. And in fact, that's what we see in many respects. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the fact that Target has dropped a new line of clothes for babies and kids, a whole line just ahead of Pride Month that is pro-queer, pro-transgender. You've heard it, I think, for years. They are the ones who sell the chest binders, the tucking underwear, the tucking swimsuits now. What's happening? What does this have to do with the culture of rejection? And what can we do about it? We'll be right back here on Trending. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. The topic's all about rejection and how rejection really is getting in the way of happiness today. I kicked it off with kind of comparing rejection of victim culture and being traumatized to the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, in the midst of everything he experienced in his passion, the rejection, the traumatic event that it was, did not act victimized, did not dwell on that. So if you missed the conversation, be sure to head over to relevantradio.com forward slash trending and catch that podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast, share it with a friend. Just grab the link and text it to a friend. We really appreciate you sharing any of the work we hear, do here at Relevant Radio. So as I was thinking about the show today, I have been just bombarded over the last four days with companies using transgender identifying models to promote the work that they do and to be front and center. In one example we knew you know, a couple months ago, Bud Light thought that everyone would be happy with their attempt to re- the, reach the younger generation with a transgender promotion. Didn't go so well. Look at what happened. Massive backlash, which was significant. I did a whole episode on this. Please uh, be sure to go back and listen to that episode. We'll post the link in the episode notes as well as on social media. There's a reason why the Bud Light backlash, that Bud Light boycott was so significant and successful. And it was this, because often when we try to do boycotts, there aren't a lot of things that are pretty comparable uh, that people can go to. For example, I do believe that people, um, I think, should boycott different things, but sometimes it's too much of a part of ease in their lives versus Bud Light. 
You don't have to have Bud Light, and there are plenty of other options for other beers that people really do like. So I mean, that was kind of an example where people voted with their money. There's a whole, I did a whole episode on it because I think it's really significant if you didn't listen to that. But it's not just Bud Light. Recently, Sports Illustrated released their latest swimsuit edition, and lo and behold, a biological male dressed like a female's on the front. I covered that last week. If you're confused and you thought the lady, well, the person you thought was a lady, on the front of the latest swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated was nice looking, well, that's okay because there's a lot of technology being used and hormones and plastic reconstructive surgery to turn that person into an object of desire to look seemingly attractive as a female, even though that person is a man. So again, if you're confused and you say, hey, that person's kind of hot or good looking, that's okay. And I explained some of the confusion there and how the brain seeks out novelty. But then Adidas has recently released another ad with a biological male on the front of the ad for Adidas when the biological male is supposed to look like a female. And then you have the news that Target has dropped their latest new queer friendly line, which by the way, I stopped shopping at Target well over 10 years ago. On occasion, I do go if there's a gift card I've received uh, or it's sometimes difficult to find inexpensive maternity clothes. So that's really the only time I've gone there out of absolute convenience uh, of need, right? Or maybe you've received a gift. I don't think we can always do perfection with regard to boycotts or else we'd have to pretty much shop absolutely nowhere. And Grant, we do have a responsibility to be good stewards and to, you know, vote in certain respects with our money, but there's a level of practicality as well. But here's the thing with Target. It makes me feel sick every time I go there. You go to the men's section of Target and there's a whole transgender section. It's absolutely awful and it's scandalous. Remember when they did the Father's Day ad with two same-sex oriented fathers. These things are mind-boggling. But now we've known for years that they have had chest binders and tuck-friendly clothes, including tuck-friendly swimwear. And if you can't get it, it's for people who identify as the opposite sex and need to tuck body parts to seemingly not make them exposed or bind body parts with a chest binder. Target has been selling these things for children. Are you listening to me? For children. For years. But here's the latest news. Target has dropped a new baby and kid queer-friendly line just ahead of Pride Month. It's a woman who identifies as a man. And this woman is also a Satan worshiper. She's very pro-drugs and violence. And for some reason, Target would think this is great to go ahead and adopt her line. There is a level of discrimination that should be occurring. If someone is the creator of a brand for children in a culture where influencers are everywhere and people are likely looking up the creators of different brands, we should watch who we are promoting. And this is absolutely astounding. Target actually has commented over the last week about releasing this new brand and they justify it saying, making comments about how they want to, quote, fit needs for the LGBTQIA community fit needs. Okay, I'm short. I'm all of like barely five foot two. I would love you to fit the needs of my clothing needs or many others when I don't want to wear a quarter of a shirt or half a shirt. (laughs) But again, I just don't shop at Target. But that's a much larger population of people than the LGBTQIA plus community. But here are one of the products that Target has released. They released a fanny pack and on that fanny pack it says, we belong everywhere. 
And I was really pondering how sad these really are predominantly for children. Children identifying as some form of LGBTQIA+. And I just kept thinking when we're talking today about this idea of rejection and how rejection truly is getting in the way of our happiness today. That the reason a so-called baby and kid queer-friendly line is being released at Target with a fanny pack that says we belong everywhere is because the rejection in our culture and the self-rejection because of wounds from a very young age runs so deep that the pro-transgender message of we accept and we want everyone sounds really attractive to that suffering youth who's looking for a place and is uncomfortable, not confident, and even rejecting a certain part of himself or herself. But what does the culture ultimately need in this crisis of rejection? It's God. Yeah, I was looking, and I'll talk about that for a little bit more in just a moment, but even the latest news that the latest Transformer show, Earthspark, that kicked off last year on Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon, every single character in that show seems to have to have some identity in terms of their pronouns, making it very clear if they're he, she, she, they, whatever pronoun it is, him, her, you name it, the pronouns are being clarified with, again, these non-binary individuals and characters being placed in the Transformers stories. What is that teaching children? We're talking about children seven years old enough. I'm going to talk later on on the show about how there's actually a blueprint that has been released. Actually, not today, but later on in the week. A blueprint has been released for how they intend to start with young, young children who are only a couple of years old to lead them to a transgender identity. It is frightening. I'm in the midst of research, and I'll be sharing more about that later on this week. Because here's what's happening. Children with wounds in a culture of self-rejection and rejection are hurting. They want to belong. So when Target launches their latest queer-friendly brand for even babies and infants, and it says, quote, we belong everywhere, it's striking a chord with many individuals. But it's not just children, it's adults. Adults who are also suffering from rejection, self-rejection. And they're saying, who am I to say that this isn't who you are? Who am I to say that you shouldn't wear that? Who am I to say if you want to take cross-sex hormones that are damaging to their body? Actually, believe it or not, the culture's drawing a line. Not here. They're saying no to cross-sex hormones that are damaging minors' bodies and no to mutilating, castrating body surgery. Culture is drying the line. Just talk to parents, right, left, up, down, you name it, whatever religious denomination, people are agreeing that goes too far, especially for minors, but believe it or not, even for adults as well. All of this kept making me think, as I look at that fanny pack from Target, we belong everywhere. They need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. They need to hear scripture. I keep thinking of the words of Isaiah, I am the Lord. And just hearing that and resting in the fact, God's in charge, I'm not. Thinking of how all throughout sacred scripture in the Old Testament, we hear about God's steadfast love for who? For you and for I. Think of just a line, a few lines from Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul. There I will hope in him. It's from Lamentations chapter 3. I kept thinking about how consoling these lines are, not because it's nice, fanciful words, but sacred scripture is the inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit is the author alongside and guiding that human author. We're learning about the inner workings, the mind of God, the thoughts of God, the calling and drawing of us into him. All of it, which is seen in its culmination in Jesus Christ's suffering on the cross, is drawing us into him and literally physically uniting ourselves to him in the reception of Holy Eucharist in the Mass. And then I kept thinking about how, what does God the Father do? What's the first thing that God the Father does? In sacred scripture, in the New Testament, after the incarnation of Christ, what does he say? Jesus Christ enters into his public ministry the first time, his first public interaction that we know here is, marks the beginning of his three years of his public ministry. It begins with the baptism in the Jordan, where he goes to John the Baptist wanting to be baptized. John the Baptist says he is not worthy to even unbuckle the sandals of Jesus Christ's feet. And as John acquiesces to Jesus' request to be baptized, we have this cloud that comes down upon Jesus Christ and a loud voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Those are significant words. There's only twice that God the Father intervenes in Jesus Christ's public ministry, speaking boldly and loudly. We have it again at the Transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. What does God the Father do when he speaks to his son? He affirms him. He says, I'm proud of you. Jesus hadn't even engaged in his public ministry yet at his baptism. God the Father was acknowledging him and confirming Jesus Christ just as he was. This is what young people in our culture need. This is why a fanny pack from Target is so significant from the pro-LGBTQ community that says we belong everywhere. Because they feel accepted. They feel emboldened. They feel proud. We have to respond with a different message. The words from Lamentations chapter 3, seeing the steadfast love of God. What struck me in that line that I was reading a few moments ago from Lamentations, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There's this contradiction between body and soul at times. We are our body and our soul. The two cannot and are not separated here on earth while we are living. But our souls ultimately, our body and soul are created for God. Yet sometimes in our concupiscence, our bodies, our mind, we do the exact opposite thing for which we are created for. And there's this stretch, there's this tug and pull in two directions. If you think about when you're stretching, I worked a lot in the fitness world and helping train people with all kinds of injuries. A lot of people who are stretching, you know, you're pulling, let's say, and doing a hamstring stretch, pulling your heel away from the base of your body. There's that pull, there's that pain. You want the stretch, but maybe your body's not ready for it. There's that pain. And so just like the words and lamentation, the Lord is my portion. There's that acknowledgement. God, you are mine. I am yours. Therefore, I will hope in you. There's that that's a, that abandonment into that message that is so important that even, for example, again, such a silly example of stretching, 
yet so similarly that you have to accept where you're at, recognizing, yes, the body is meant to not be in pain, right, to not be in suffering, that we're created for God and that there takes work in order to get there into that wholeness and that place that God has a store for us. Even the simplicity here on earth of having strong and stretched out and relaxed muscles, but also ultimately in that union with God of how God created us. God the Father affirms. God the Father created us to be hit with him. And when we acknowledge that, when we unite ourselves to that mission, when we share that message in a culture that is saying LGBTQIA is my name, and that's how I identify. We have all these different flags for those identities. Let's bring back the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. His steadfast love never ceases. It never comes to an end. And as it says in the book of Lamentations, it's new every single morning. You cannot exhaust the love and the mercy of God. You cannot exhaust him chasing after you. You can reject him. You can run the other way, but he will continue to be there. And that's what these young people who in the face of a rejection-focused culture, for whatever reason that's led them to reject some element of themselves, may it be their femininity or masculinity, may it be some part of them because they felt rejected as a child because of some sort of abandonment or loneliness or isolation. Do not allow ourselves to fester in the wounds of rejection and self-rejection, but to be healed in the mercy and love of Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel. To be healed and then to repent and to conform yourself to the blueprint and the vision God has for you. That's a joy-filled message. And this is why rejection cannot get in the way of our happiness. It is only we ourselves that allow that to happen. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I want to come back talking to you about talking to you about St. Rita. She's an Italian saint, and I think she provides a lot of hope and encouragement for anyone who hopes to be married, engaged, to just find a man, to have a baby, or to heal a broken marriage. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I'll be right back talking about St. Rita. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. I shared with you earlier that I had this moment where I was like, oh, you know, I actually am interested in time travel. It was just kind of a fun thought. Uh, Not for all the whole intervention in history or any of that. Again, I mentioned I hate sci-fi content vast majority of the time because I hate the time travel side of it. But I really decided I want to time travel for the sake of going on vacations at certain eras and various locations. I mentioned the French Riviera in 1920 or even going to Egypt uh, prior to World War I. I just think those would be really neat times that I don't think we'll ever know again the way it was at that time, the culture that was so different. Anyways, so I asked my my husband, I said, what, where would you go or what would you do? What's one reason why you would want uh, to have time travel an option? And 
He responds within 30 seconds, and his answer was so much better than mine. He goes, I would love to observe how the Holy Family lived, like what their day-to-day interactions were. I had one of those moments like, oh, you had the good Catholic response. (laughs) You know, those moments when you are talking about something and you you have this response to something, it's like totally secular, and then someone has a really good Catholic response. I was laughing so hard because I had that. Those happen to all of us. And I think sometimes people feel a little guilty for not having that faith-filled response. That's okay. That's good to think of fun things that you would like to do. God places great desires on our hearts and things that we would like to pursue. Anyway, so I'd love to hear from you on social media. You can let me know or give me a call. Uh, what would be one reason why you would like to time travel? You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here during our weekly happy hour. So back in about 2017, 2018, I heard about this saint for the first time known as Saint Rita. And I knew nothing about her story, but I was reading through article titles and picked up this article, and it was titled "This Italian Yun, Yun, ooh, Sorry, this Italian nun is helping brides say yes to the dress." And there chronicled the story of St. Rita, a monastery, an Augustinian monastery in Cassia, Italy, where Sister Maria Laura is an Augustinian none there, and she is helping with the difficult marriage culture there in Italy. Many people are struggling to get married and to have children. People have fewer children than they'd ever like. Even the government there in Italy has given major tax incentives and even free property to people to get married. Sounds like we all need to leave California and other states and go to Italy. Well, I don't know. That's a whole other topic in and of itself. But what was fascinating about the story was that since about 1950, there's been a major devotion uh, to St. Rita. Now, I'll share with you a little more about St. Rita in a minute. St. Rita uh, is a 14th century saint. And I'll tell you her story in a moment, but here's what happened. A lot of people turn to St. Rita for her particular intercession with regard to difficult marriages, in a desire to be married, along with many of them actually turning to her for her intercession, helping to conceive a child, but in particular for her intercession in their difficult marriages or desire to marry. And so since 1950, brides, married women, have been making pilgrimages to St. Rita's convent monastery there in Italy to literally donate their wedding dress. Over the years, the convent has collected hundreds of dresses. Now, there's one nun there who is using her particular God-given gifts in a very neat way. Sister Maria Laura entered monastic life at the age of 28, but her past prior to that had been as a seamstress and a designer in Tuscany. And so what she did is she actually started running a bridal dress collection there out of the monastery for little to no pay at all. And women who were desiring to get married, maybe couldn't afford a wedding dress or maybe financial reasons were getting in the way. She was actually custom fitting these gorgeous wedding dresses that were being donated there to the convent. She was custom fitting them to the women, reconstructing the wedding dresses, and helping these merry brides to be along their way to be married. I thought this was the neatest story. I had this dream that before, and so at the time, back I think it was 2017, I was still dating my husband. I still hadn't gotten married yet, so I had this dream to go to St. Rita's convent, and I knew if I could just go to St. Rita's convent, I was going to pick up a dress, and I was going to plan on being, you know, married within not too long. I needed to go and get a dress. Well, the good news is is that within about a year, my husband proposed. And although I didn't receive a dress from there, I did actually have my great 
grandmother's dress that she wore back in the late 1930s reconstructed for me to wear, which was really neat. It was a full lace dress, really neat. I actually just posted a reel on my social media of some photos back from our wedding day. My phone made this really neat collage of photos and videos that I was enjoying, so I shared with it. So if you want to see the dress, it is there. I was so grateful because I love my great-grandmother dearly. It was an honor to get to wear her dress, a very special experience for me. So lo and behold, I guess St. Rita interceded because I still received a beautiful dress uh, that was secondhand that I had loved all those years. So I didn't have to go all the way to Italy for the dress. But here's the deal. This is why I'm talking about her. Today is a feast day of St. Rita. And when we were talking about rejection all hour here on the show during a weekly happy hour, I really do believe that rejection is something we need to work on individually in this culture to overcome. Rejection is constant from others and from ourselves. Or again, I mentioned earlier, sometimes we think that God has rejected us for various reasons, such as, well, he didn't answer my prayers. He didn't give me what I want. Therefore, I think that God rejected me. It's all wrong. If you listen, if you miss that conversation, be sure to catch this podcast. It will be available later on this evening because we need to overcome this crisis of rejection that is leading to us saying we're traumatized and therefore becoming victims. We have to overcome that. It's not what Christ did. It's not what he modeled. And I walk through the example that Christ gave that even in the face of rejection, there's no single human being more rejected than Jesus Christ himself. He did not act traumatized. He did not become a victim dwelling on things. No, he moved past it. And it was so eloquently done. And we can look to that model. So another form of rejection we experience today has to do with the single crisis. And it is a crisis. I'll be covering later on in the week how 60% of young men under the age of 30 are completely stepping out of the dating scene. They're single and many of them not interested in entering into it. It's astounding. Many young women seeking not only to meet someone, to put, but to also marry someone. And then there are the many couples today who are struggling because they de- desire so deeply to conceive a baby to carry a baby, to carry that baby in their arms. And so St. Rita is a great intercessor for these specific intentions, along with if you have a spouse that's struggling, if you're in a difficult marriage. Now, St. Rita was born in 1386, so she's a 4th century saint there in Italy. And she has her own whole incredibly beautiful church, a monastery there in Italy. And again, I mentioned that from all over the country, but especially there in Italy, there's a devotion of donating your wedding dress there to the convent because of her intercession, helping to heal the wounds of marriage or helping those couples who are desiring to be married to get married. So St. Rita's husband was a very, as we know, violent and volatile individual, a very moody individual. And he was actually murdered in part because of this when he was about when they were uh, just maybe, um, he was murdered 18 years into their marriage. Now, she forgave the murderers and she prayed often for her two twin sons to also forgive the individual who had killed their father. It was something that they really struggled with. Well, as the story goes, she actually outlived her two sons and she ended up being not just widowed, but also childless. 
and she ends up becoming a nun. And her entire story is really incredible. I hope, I hope you go and look up the story of St. Rita. But what's, again, significant about her story is that she has become a tremendous intercessor for people who are struggling in their marriages. People who are difficult spouses themselves or have difficult spouses. People who deeply long and desire to be married along with other people who are longing for the gift of a child. People as well who are discerning their vocation. I so often find that many people who are single, I'll ask them, have you ever discerned a religious vocation? It's not me saying, hey, you're single, so you should go and become a nun or a priest. Not at all. But I do think that we discern marriage with a particular person. And that so too we should discern religious life with particular orders. Because many orders have different charisms different gifts, different things, different ways of going about their day. And I think that so often people say, oh, that's not for me. I thought about it and I'm not interested. Okay, it's one thing to think about it. It's also one thing in theory to think about being married. It's one thing in theory to think about having children. It's another thing in theory to think about becoming a religious sister or a priest, cloistered sister, uh, even to think about becoming a diocesan versus a religious order, a priest religious in a different state or country. All of those are different factors. And so St. Rita is also a great intercessor for people who are trying to discern their vocation life because she did both. She was married, lived in a difficult marriage, had children. Her husband and both of her sons died. And then she discerned into becoming a religious sister. And there's a great devotion to her today for her intercession. And so I challenge you, if you are single, to not just prayerfully discern a religious vocation, but to consider going and doing a come and see weekend, as they call it, where you go and get to know a religious order, a convent, spend time with a the religious there. We have a very low rate of religious vocations in comparison to historical numbers. And I think a major reason for this is because fewer and fewer people have day-to-day interactions of the nitty-gritty with nuns and priests. This used to be more common that the priests and nuns were a little more close to the day-to-day interactions in the local community. We would see nuns all over. I've been very blessed in my life to have quite a bit of exposure to religious sisters, and they've been a great blessing to me. I very seriously considered a religious vocation, had even had my eyes set on a religious order as well. Why was that? Because I was single, and I really did understand that we discern marriage with a particular person. We also discern religious vocation with various orders. I know of a couple people who things didn't fit and work out with particular religious orders, and so they felt a sense of rejection. Yet deep down inside for years, they always said, I really think I was supposed to be a religious sister, and I didn't do more, and I should have. And they ended up spending a number of years single. I know of some people as well who they just said, you know, I never even thought. I wish someone told me that I could have or should have pondered a religious vocation or helped me to not just say, hey, this is my cross in marriage and just say, this is my cross, but to pray for God's gift of transformation as well. And as I was discussing earlier, we tend to think about, well, this is my cross and this is my blessing. But as St. Genevieve had covered and discussed, I mentioned this earlier on the show, we have to stop saying and thinking, this is my cross, this is my blessing, but this is life that happens to me. How am I going to respond? How will I walk through this? Because Jesus Christ himself experienced great trauma in his life, but he moved beyond it and didn't allow himself to be defined 
by that to look at everyone and say, you rejected me. But in his great mercy and love, he moved beyond that cross. And so let us, too, overcome that culture of rejection and turn to the intercession of St. Rita. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. The CDC released a report showing record levels of unhappiness, sadness among young girls. We're going to talk about how young girls can be happy and what needs to change. Also, a recent data report shows a large number of women say they were coerced into having an abortion. This all has to do with female happiness. What's happening and how do we reach young girls or even abortion vulnerable women before it's too late? I'll discuss Tuesday on Trending. Join me at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.